RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour, and uh, it's an abbreviated version this week, folks. We'll be back with our uh, our usual content next week as we get ready for Valor 76, Tie Night at the Joe, going down December the 4th from the world-famous Cotton Night Joe. All tie fights that evening, including two big tournaments. And next week, we'll get several interviews on with uh, the a lot of the participants that are, are in those tournaments that I just mentioned. But uh, this week... Uh, we're we're going to be a little bit more brief. We're going to uh, dive back into a recap of last week's action and a preview of this week. And then uh, and then we're going to call it a day. I'm joined by my co-host, Justin Watson, this week. Justin, how's it going, my man? We're coming off of uh, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty solid uh, action wise uh, UFC card uh, with the Paul Felder uh, and RDA. Yeah, man, it was a fun night of fights for sure. Um, and Bellator was, was pretty good, you know, right before it as well. So, of course, we'll go ahead and jump into our recap. We'll do Bellator first since it happened first. And that was um, last Thursday night. We've been getting these Thursday night shows. That was Bellator 252, headlined, of course, by a 145 title fight. Also, um, I believe part of their their tournament uh, as well. It was a uh, Patricio Pitbull uh, with a first round knockout over uh, a very uh, big underdog in Pedro Carvalho, who I actually did drop just a small little flyer on just because the odds were so high. Uh, but yeah, didn't didn't work out very well. Emmanuel Sanchez with a unanimous decision went over Daniel Veichel, and then the main card uh, only three fights they've been doing on these main cards. It was uh, a battle of two really really solid fighters. Jaroslav Amosov uh, knocks off Logan Storley for the first defeat of the decorated wrestler's career. Split decision there. Aaron Pico with a win on the undercard uh, with a knockout in the second round. Uh, of course, uh, you know, a person we're familiar with here at, uh, in our area, Emily King, uh, falls to Carrie Melendez in the first round where naked choke. Uh, also, uh, an upset on that card, uh, uh, Conry Gracie gets stopped uh, by TKO in the third round. He's a pretty heavy underdog um, on that card. Uh, overall thoughts on Bellator 252, Justin, tough night for Emily King. Uh, Carrie Melendez looked really good. Uh, Emily didn't ever really seem to be able to find her range, it seemed like. And so, uh, you know, Melendez found hers pretty quickly and, and really kind of went to work there as soon as she, uh, as soon as she kind of saw that, uh, you know, Emily was having a hard time really connecting with anything of substance. Yeah. Carrie's a, you know, decorated, uh, striker and, um, she's got a boxing, uh, history and, um, she just she was able to find the range and land some shots and kind of get Emily's focus off, I think, a little bit. And then when they went to the ground, she just maybe had had Emily a little flustered and was able to get the submission. But, um, you know, she went in there and, and, and fought tough. It was um, a good experience for, for Emily either way. Um, and the card itself I thought was awesome. Aaron Pico had a nasty knockout uh, in the second round. He it almost looked like he broke that dude's neck almost when he hit him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Emmanuel Sanchez and Daniel Weichel in, in that tournament. Um, that was a great first fight. Um, Emmanuel Sanchez dominated this one. Uh, you know, pretty pretty much he 
I think one judge gave two rounds to, to Weichel, but the rest of them had four to one, I think. Um, and then Patricio just in dominant, you know, just big, big knockout uh, for, for Patricio moving forward, you know, retaining his title and moving on in the tournament also. Also, of course, um, we had uh, a Dana White contender series last night. Did you catch any of that? Uh, this most re- this uh, this last contender series is the last one of the season. Yeah, I did. I saw the whole thing. Yeah, I watched it as well. It was uh, man, they've been on a lot of contracts this year. I think uh, more than ever. I dare they've I say had, they've had some beasts on there, man. The, like the kids that they're bringing on there are ready to jump in. You know, we got a, a guy fighting for a title this weekend that came off the contender series, so. Um, I think it's an awesome, an awesome show, an awesome way to get get into the promotion too. On um, short notice, knocks off the decorated Australian uh, kickboxer Chelsea Hackett, second round ground and pound. Uh, we saw Gloria DePaula knock off uh, Pauline Macias, uh, Peta, who was a former Valor amateur champion uh, for us back uh, when she lived in Nashville. So that's a good win for DePaula. She looked really solid out there, pretty polished, uh, unanimous decision win, pretty wide. Uh, then we had Tucker Lutz uh, with the unanimous decision went over Shark Blackledge. Um, yeah, these you know everyone's getting the contract so far here. Lutz is wasn't to me like the most you know awesome win, but he'd already won before on there, so I guess that's, he's two and zero on there. And then we had uh, Nick Maximoff give up like fifty pounds to Oscar Coda win the unanimous decision there. That was a that was a weird one. Uh, Coda's fight IQ is really bad because Maximoff struggled to get takedowns if Coda didn't just like give them to him or a pull guard or just silly things. And then um, JP Bays in the main event with a bit of a controversial. Uh, stoppage with four seconds left to go over Jacob Silva, dominating the round. Um, but then the referee uh, stepped in and stopped the fight with four seconds to go with no no tap or submission from Silva. So uh, tough tough luck there for Silva, although he was getting, uh, you know, it was pretty one-sided up to that point. You know, you still want to give the guy a chance, I think, with four seconds left if he, if he doesn't tap. Yeah, and that was, a, that was a close one. I think the referee should have been a little more aware of, of how much time was left. Um, you know, if he was in the middle of the round, you know, you know, you don't want him to go to sleep and then, and be out for five or 10 seconds before the referee realizes he's out. But with only four seconds left, even if he was out, as soon as he let go, you were going to realize it and the fight would have been over or, you know, he just wasn't in too much danger there. So, um, it was a weird thing. You know, they've got instant replay now and I don't know why they didn't use that. Um, I'm not sure they, I guess they talked about, um, I guess they just used it in boxing. Did you see, did you see that when they I, used I didn't see it, but I heard that they had like a 25 minute delay while they were, while they were using it. Oh, wow. Uh, I didn't see it either. I just heard about it, um, after this, but it would have been nice to see them to utilize that, you know, Jacob Silva was, was getting pretty much dominated through that fight, but he was scrambling and fighting tough and, um, you know, it was it was tough for him, but he'll get another shot, I think. Um, yeah, Coda, that was wild, man. I think that he he actually looked like he had some ground game. He was just, you know, not used to being on his back, but probably when he is on his back at his gym, he probably does okay. So he thought, this guy's a lot smaller than me. You know, I'll be able to sweep him and get back on top. And um, he got over the neck, and I guess he just he thought he was going to be able to take it. But I guess Maximov, they're going to, put him on uh, the ultimate fighter. Um, 
but then everybody else, you know, getting the contract. Tucker Lutz, I thought, you know, that I think Sherrard Blackledge had, had um, maybe already had a win on Contender Series 2. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, you know, both these guys were coming off wins on the Contender Series, so you kind of knew going into it, whoever wins this fight is probably going to get a contract. Um, but Dana made him sweat at the end. It sounded like he wasn't going to give him the contract, but he ended up doing it. Um, and both the girls look good. Gloria DePaulo looked like, I mean, phenomenal. She looked like she's ready to jump in there with the top 15. Um, and Leonardo, like you said, coming in on short notice, and she was a heavy underdog coming into this fight um, and got the finish in the second round. UFC Vegas 14 was uh, the main show of the weekend. Paul Felder versus Rafael Dos Anjos, and that was a uh, short notice fight for Paul Felder, steps up to save the show. I'd heard a couple interviews with RDA where he, I guess he was told that if they didn't fill the slot, they were going to cancel the show. So um, I, I guess I might not could have blamed him at that point. Um, in, in, anyway, Paul Felder steps in and um, has a really nice performance. Uh, honestly, I, I had him losing wide, but uh, he had his moments. RDA looked like the RDA of old. And, uh, you know, he's kind of uh, announced that he's back in the mix, calling out Conor McGregor after. He's not going to get that. But he should get uh, he should get a pretty good fight all the same, I think. Uh, pretty wild that we had two judges go 50-45. So it's five, five to nothing, all five rounds, which is probably how I would have had it. Maybe four to one. But, man, I'm okay with five to nothing. And then the third judge had it 47-48 for Felder, and that was a little eyebrow-raising, I thought. Yeah, um, and it, it's it's unfortunate because, you know, in the end, we're going to look back on this and not really remember the fight, but we'll look back on their records and say, oh, it was a split decision, so it's probably a really close fight, but it wasn't a close fight. And Dazon just, you know, was dominant, and um, so it's kind of unfortunate that, that that'll go down the record like that for Dazon just, but... Man, I, I I think Paul Felder won in more ways than um, than Dosanjos did ultimately on the night. You know, stepping in on short notice and showing that much heart and taking it all five rounds. And Dosanjos did. He looked like you know the champion that we that we had in the past. And um, back in his right weight class, I took Felder pretty much everywhere because he was the dog. And I thought you know Dosanjos coming back down, maybe he's going to have a tough time with the weight cut, um, but. He looked great, you know, and uh, I think he'll probably be be fighting somebody in that top five or six next. And I don't think Felder goes anywhere. Maybe drop Felder one spot in the rank. I haven't seen the new rankings, but I would assume maybe Felder dropped one spot and Desan just took that spot. Felder and everybody else went down one. Um, but I don't think it really hurt Felder too bad. You know, I, I would agree with you there, and it was nice to kind of see that spark back in Paul Felder. I, you know, he'd been talking about potential retirement here, and afterward he said, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. So that's nice, you know, to see see that he that this kind of relit that spark for him. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Paul Felder fan. And looking back on it, I probably just bet with my heart way too much. I wanted to see Paul Felder win. I like the price on him. But looking back, in hindsight, of course, you know, shit, man, like this is an uphill climb for him. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, that, that's that's why you play these guys. You know, Felder's a guy that, as a heavy underdog, I'm going to have a hard time not playing him almost every time because he's always going to be live no matter who he's fighting. And if Dosan just didn't go out and fight the perfect fight, I think he would have gotten beat. And But, he, he, you know, ultimately, Dosan just fought the, the perfect fight. So, um, 
I don't know that Paul Felder in his best shape would be able to beat that DeSanjos. Um, but I thought that being compromised, that he definitely um, showed a lot of value. Co-main event, uh, this one was short and sweet. Uh, Chaos Williams pulls the upset as a fairly sizable underdog over the the, the tumbling Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. First round knockout, 30 seconds in. Man, Chaos Williams now has two knockouts in the first round in his first two UFC fights over tough guys uh, in Al-Hassan and Brandon Moreno very quickly in both of those fights. Is, are you sold on him? Is he the real deal? I don't know still, really. I mean, I you know, he's obviously got big power that he's showing, and he's got some swagger to him. He was able to get some uh, some interview time, had the slick suit on. He's confident. But I'm still, to me, the jury's maybe still out. Um, I'd like to see one more against, uh, you know, uh, another step up in competition, somebody that can wrestle. Uh, you know, as for Al Hassan, I thought that this one was a rough, a rough go, man. Like, you know, it was a pretty hyped comeback, uh, after he'd been out a couple years with legal issues, drops his return fight to that, uh, Muneer Laziz. We can, we can kind of let that one go. Cause that guy did look pretty good, but here, man, there was nothing for it. That said, I mean, Williams just like, like, like Al Hassan had his hands up. Like <laughs> Williams just split right through those bad boys. And, um, I mean, he's obviously got power. He, he got out of the cage from his post fight before Al Hassan had been escorted out of the cage. Yeah. I mean, ultimately it was just a perfect shot. You know, it, it didn't seem like he hit him all that hard. It was just the timing of Al Hassan stepping in. Williams kind of fainted with a jab and then, when Al Hassan bit on it and, and threw tried to tried to counter that jab, Williams just shot that right hand straight down the middle and um, you know, put his thumbs out. I mean, he was out cold, he was he was dead to the world. And he gave him another really good one on the ground. Yeah. And uh so I I don't know about chaos though. I mean, you know, like you say, I think we've seen less than a minute of him so far in the uh, Alex Moreno fight. It was really wild and uh, like a, a very wild exchange. Yeah. Um, but we know he can he can hit the target, obviously, you know, and um, so we'll just have to see moving forward what he you know what he's like on defense when somebody uh, hits him back and and puts a little bit of pressure on him. See what happens if somebody takes him down. Um, but you know, I, I think he's got a lot more to prove. Obviously, we haven't seen enough enough time yet to really tell us much. Is the Al Hassan project over? You think? Is it? Does he tumble into? Uh, you know, the, in, you know, he was in a co-main event spot here. Uh, I would imagine he obviously tumbles down the card, but you know, did they stop putting him in in uh, positions to where he's no longer kind of being showcased and he's he's more like a gatekeeper? I think he's his next couple fights are really going to be the um, determining factor on that. You know, at, at this point, if he if he gets knocked out in his next fight, he probably gets cut. Honestly. Um, three knockouts in a row, and he doesn't have a huge name. He'll have he'll be ten and four at that point. Um, but it, you know, if he gets a big knockout, and then they can match him correctly and try to get some push behind him, he's going to be fun to watch. You know, at 170 pounds stacked up like that, um, it, he's going to be you know fun for for some people. Um, there are going to be some fun fights for him out there. Uh, but it, you know, it really depends if he if he doesn't win his next one, I think he's in trouble. Feature bout Ashley Yoder with the unanimous decision win over Miranda Granger um, was able to get the takedowns and just kind of grind away as about what I expected. I was on Yoder as the underdog. And in fact, I had a really good night. I I, I didn't really do uh, that. The co-main event like 
completely blew me up because I had keyed on Alison like a fool and like every parlay I did. And then like, that was the only thing I lost, but, uh, Ashley Oder, uh, is a plus money. I liked her here. Uh, she gets unanimous decision win over Miranda Granger, uh, Sean Strickland with a second round TKO looked really good to me. One of the biggest winners of the night over Brendan Allen. Um, man, uh, he just touched him up over and over and over. And it didn't look like he was just throwing super hard, but like Brendan Allen's face would tell a different story. First time that Allen's ever been knocked out and breaks a seven-fight win streak for Brendan Allen. So real big win for Sean Strickland, who gets his second win in like three weeks. And then opening up the main card, it was Corey McKenna with a uh, uh, controversial, I guess you would say, unanimous decision win over Kay Hansen. I was on Corey McKenna plus money here, and I had her on all my lineups. So I was looking through uh, rose-colored glasses there, but a lot of people and the statistics would probably say Kay Hansen won. Your thoughts on the rest of this main card? Yeah, I didn't have a great main card. The first, the first two bit me in the ass pretty hard, and then I missed the main event. Um, but yeah, I had Kay Hansen. I thought that she won the fight. Obviously, I thought she had two rounds to one. Um, but all three judges gave it to to Corey. Uh, that's a tough one, man. I mean, you know, that that's that's a really tough one. I haven't seen too many people um, break it down and, and think that Corey McKenna actually won the fight. Um, but I don't know. Uh, Brandon Allen, I definitely didn't see that fight going that way. I thought that he would, you know, be able to pressure uh, Sean Strickland against the fence and get some takedowns. And um, but Strickland just picked him apart. Strickland looked great. Um, and then you have Ashley Oder. It's kind of what I expected. I also had her as, a, as an underdog there, um, but I thought that she was, you know, she had the the ground documents to be able to give Granger some problems. You know, if they stayed on the feet, then Ashley was going to be in trouble, but I thought that she was going to be able to get it to the ground and, and she was able to do that. You think Sean Strickland gets a ranked opponent next or one more, maybe than that? I'm kind of, I'm kind of like on the train right now. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't uh, be surprised if he gets a ranked opponent. I mean, Sean Strickland has been around for a long time. You know, he's 22 and threes, you know, he's got a, a fat record uh, for, for having as many UFC fights as he has. Um, so yeah, I, I would imagine probably top 15 next. Undercard, we saw the debut of Kanako Murata, uh, Invicta champ and uh, Japanese grappler extraordinaire. Uh, unanimous decision win over Random Marcos. Still showed some holes. I thought Marcos, for the small amount of time she was able to be on her feet, she was kind of getting the better of that. But Murata just took her down when she wanted to take her down and uh, gets the win. Um, Tony Gravely with a split decision win over uh, Geraldo De Freitas. That was a good fight. Uh, a good win for Gravely. Not a bad performance for De Freitas either. Alex Morono looked great coming off of the loss to Chaos Williams. I didn't really know what to expect because he got knocked out so quick. But, uh, man, tell you what, he really laid it on Reese McKee. Reese McKee showed a lot of toughness, but Morono just touched him up, man. He hit him like, shit, I, like 160 times or something. He had, uh, as far as significant strikes, it was, he broke the slate. You needed him on DraftKings if you wanted to be a winner. Uh, and then uh, Dontel Mays, unanimous decision win over Roki Martinez. Not impressed. Yeah, um, <laughs> that one. That one was that was pretty pretty tough one to watch. <laughs> starting out here, starting out the night, you know, we had all decisions um, on the undercard. I think we only had two finishes all night, um, so it was it was a long night of fights. Um, this one didn't have me too excited going forward. Um, Alex Morano looked looked good. Uh, I thought he probably could have finished the fight. Um, 
if he would have put, put on the gas a little bit more. Um, but he was pretty dominant throughout. Um, I was biting my nails on Tony Gravely. That was a, a really close fight. Um, and that, that one kind of got me going on the night. Um, got my got my entertainment uh, value in that one. Uh, and then Random Marcos, man, going below 500. I don't, it's going to be tough for her to stick around in the UFC. It's, it's tough because she's a good – I mean, she's good. She's solid. Because she doesn't fight slouches. Yeah, but yeah, that's the thing. I mean, in, in this division, you really there's she can't. You know, right. there's not what is there thirty girls in the whole division or something. Right. So, like, you know, it's 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 just tough, man. And now falling below five hundred, I, I don't see how they can really keep her. Um, it, I don't know. Maybe maybe give her one more and see what happens. But I mean, Miranda Marcos doesn't get to fight. You know, Miranda Granger. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. Um, what are your thoughts on Murata? You think she's a player at 115? Jury's still out. Obviously, he's got a good grappling. Yeah, no, I think she's good. I think I think Marcos is a test, man. I mean, like honestly, I think that she's a solid gatekeeper for the top ten of the division. If you can get past Random Marcos, I think he probably belong in the top ten of the division. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, she'll probably get a pretty highly ranked opponent next. All right, that was UFC Vegas 14. We'll turn our sights ahead to uh, more current events. Also, of note, real quick, just your thoughts. What are the odds that you know that this fight card only had nine fights? Whenever we uh, got to fight time, we lost three. Julia Marquez, Safarovic, Safarov off weight cutting complications for Safarov. Eric Anders misses weight uh, versus Antonio Arroyo and has to medically withdraw the next day. And then Lewis Smolka misses weight real big over Jose Quinones and has to withdraw with medical issues the next day. What are the odds we have three canceled fights on fight? Well, I guess Marquez and Safarov was the day before weigh-ins, but or the day of weigh-ins. What are the odds that we have that, that many canceled fights and none of them are COVID-related? And I was actually kind of bummed not to get to see the Quinones and, and Smolka. I thought that would be a good one. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, that's a problem, man. I mean, if... if when you have when you lose three fights because of weight cutting issues, yeah, that, there's there's a problem there, you know. And um, Felder got on the mic afterwards after his fight and went off about that. Um, and I don't know, I don't really think there's any excuse for it, man. You know, these guys they're given everything that they need to to make the weight, and um, not doing it is is it's just wild. I think they do need to find some stiffer punishment. I heard somebody may have been John Anik talking about. Um, he thinks that if you miss weight, especially, you know, about four or five pounds or something, then at that point you, you can't, you can no longer win at that point you're fighting for no contest. So basically you lose, if you, you either, you either lose the fight or you go out there and if you were to technically win, it becomes a no contest because you've missed weight. But, you know, if, if you chose not to fight, you just get an L for basically like a forfeit. Um, and I, I'm, I think that would be a pretty good deterrent, you know? If it meant yeah. that if, it, if 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 missing weight meant you lose, it'd be a pretty good deterrent. Or you either lose or you go fight your ass off just to get a no a no contest. Yeah, and, and still don't have a win. Yeah, and you don't get your win bonus. So you know it's 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 crazy, man. I mean, yeah, you, you, make, know? you make the penalty so stiff, mm-hmm. you know that that it's just the ultimate deterrent. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the only way I see ever solving the problem. It's just it's. It's bad. I, I don't know how they're. I, I would have liked to have been a fly on the wall here and Dana talk about about that. You know, just how how that could even happen. 
Moving on to this week, of course, we have uh, another. Well, there's a lot of action this week. There's like Invicta and a bunch of bunch of stuff going on. But uh, first off, we'll we'll get to our Bellator show. We got another Thursday card, so uh, that's that's always fun. I'm digging some midweek MMA, and uh, I'm digging this main event here. It's another 145 tournament fight: Darian the Wolf Caldwell versus AJ McKee, 16 and 0. AJ McKee. That's going to be a pretty good main event. And then we got Ben Henderson in the co-main event against Jason Jackson. And then Joey Davis, uh, wrestling phenom, Bellator, you know, product, if you will. Uh, taking on Bobby Lee, undercard, uh, a couple of names of note, Jeremy Kennedy, Matt Bissett, uh, uh, Rofion Stitz, and Keith Lee. That's uh, uh, the Motown phenom, uh, his little brother. Jaleel Willis from out in Memphis, shout out to him, taking on Mark Weminger. And then uh, oh, Baby Slice on this card. As well against Kahim Murray. Quick thoughts. I uh, can't believe the baby slice is still on the roster. Yeah. Um, one one that that really sticks out for me on the odds is uh, AJ McKee and Darian Caldwell. AJ McKee's a pretty big favorite, at least three to one, and, and he's not part of the competition that Caldwell. No, no, dude, nothing like the competition Caldwell has. Caldwell's a former champion. He lost his belt to. Um, whatever Hiroshima or whatever his name is, it uh um in Japan and I mean he just he fought fought way tougher competition. He's proven himself. He's got the wrestling pedigree to 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 hang with AJ McKee and um I'll be taking taking putting some money on on Darian Caldwell tomorrow night for sure. Um and maybe Benson Henderson too. You know, Jason Jackson is uh, he's a lot bigger than Benson and um, he's a stud athlete. He's got a lot, a uh, lot of hype behind him, and he's rolling strong. But Benson's just been there for so long that um, it's hard to count Benson out. And being an underdog against a guy with, you know, so much, such a um, lesser experience, um, is makes him tempting to to play on on that one. Uh, but not a bad card, man. There's there's definitely some fun fights on this one. Definitely some underdogs I'm going to be chasing for sure. Um, and then, of course, uh, the big event this weekend is UFC 255. Davis and Figueredo is uh, going to defend his title against Alex Perez, originally supposed to be Cody Garbrandt. And that had me a lot more jazzed than this, but I'm still fairly jazzed. I'm still I'm still down. You know, I'm, I'm good with this card. Um, looking at over here, of course, main event. Um we just mentioned Davidson Figueredo about a three to one favorite over Alex Perez. I like Figueredo here. Um, I know you can't really depend on MMA math, but like he like pretty easily beat Joe B and and Perez got finished by Joe B. So I know it doesn't always work like that. I know Perez is a fast improving guy, but I got Figueredo here in this main event. Which what say you? I don't really know how this all worked out though, but because. So Moreno and, and Roy Ball are fighting on the same card. Moreno is ranked higher than Alex Perez, and somehow oh, Alex sure. Perez stepped in to this fight. I mean, it, I feel like it should be Brandon Moreno's fight. I think they're both coming off of three wins, um, both coming off of a win over the same guy in GCA Formiga. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it's odd that, that Alex Perez got this fight, but – that being said, it's still interesting. You know, this is the first guy that's uh, coming off the contender series and getting a title fight. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I think he gets just pretty much dominated, uh, probably finished early. Uh, Figueroa is just an animal, man. He's uh, he's, he's scary. And uh, Alex Perez is, is, is going to be locked in the cage with him, and I don't think he's going to make it out of there alive. 
co-main event, even more lopsided, Valentina Shevchenko uh, undefeated at 125. It's not really been close. Defends against the uh, challenger, Jennifer Maya, who, who kind of upset the apple cart with Joanne Calderwood uh, earning this fight. And she is very long. And uh, you know, Shevchenko's about minus 1,500, better in some places. I see as high as minus 1,800. Um, looks like a foregone conclusion. I think we need to watch the scales because it's not a foregone conclusion that Jennifer Maya makes 125 flat for the flyweight championship because uh, it's about 50 50 to. She misses weight about any each and every time. Yeah, she's. We talked about that going into her fight with JoJo's that um, she missed weight a lot, but she made weight for that fight. And man, at you know, I'm, there's places she's anywhere from plus seven fifty to plus one thousand at some places, and at plus one thousand, it might not be crazy to throw ten bucks on her um, to to get lucky and and throw a submission up and and catch uh, Valentina on the ground. Um, you know, that being said, I think Valentina will will run shop and, and have a pretty easy night. But uh, when the odds are just that long and, and you have somebody who uh, is kind of just a dog and comes out of nowhere, it's it's hard not to, to, to take a little bite on that. Um, but I would imagine, you know, if you can't you can't bet on Shevchenko. So if you're going to play on this, you got to you got to just throw something on Maya and, and hope that when, you know, Shevchenko is going to be this big of a favorite against pretty much everybody. So. Um, until somebody beats her, you just hope you throw it on the right one. Somebody's going to end up taking it. Five to start round four is where the money is even. So, like, three full rounds is the over-under, more or less, to get even money. You think we get uh, – you think Maya gets uh, past the third? <sighs> um, man, I don't know. That's tough. Yeah, I, I mean, I would I would play that, that probably. I would play over. Um, on that, just if you if you're getting even money there, I'm, I don't have the props in front of me, but um, yeah, if you're getting even money at over two and you said, what did you say, over two and a half? More or less for the will the fight start round four is my is even. So like uh, it's a pretty much three full rounds. You know, will will we get all the way through the third and it start round four? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you go with that or do you go that it won't start the third round? Yeah, fight won't start. Fight won't start. Uh, round three is plus one thirty-five, so yeah. it's not real juicy. Yeah, that almost sounds like the better one to me. Yeah, I, th- I think that. Uh, I mean, I think that it's going to be early. I, either way, I, I think that if if Maya does something, she's going to be end up just catching Shevchenko early when they're dry. But um, I, I think Shevchenko likely knocks her out in, in under two as well. Feature bout was originally supposed to be Platinum Mike Perry and Ruthless Robbie Lawler, which I was down for. But uh, Robbie Lawler pulls out. Now we've got Perry versus the Dirty Bird, Tim Means. Never know what you're going to get with Mike Perry. Always got a lot going on. Always in the news. Generally not for the most positive of things. That said, Tim Means' chin just doesn't seem to be holding up as of late. And just stylistically, man, like him or not, I think Perry puts it on that chin before it's all said and done. What do you think here? It's got uh, Mike Perry is uh, is the favorite here at minus 150, and Tim Means is plus 130. Yeah, I'm actually going the other way. I'm taking oh, yeah? Tim Means yeah, in a, in a parlay. There's... Uh, two other underdogs that I'm going to throw in a parlay with Tim Means that's going to pay out like 13 to one, um, and I, I think they're all they're all 
pretty close matchups. So we'll get into them, but uh, I just think Tim Means has the experience and and the more fight knowledge. You know, Mike Perry is just he really is just a brawler. Ultimately, he can grapple a little bit, but um, I feel like Tim Means is is long and and he's going to be able to utilize that distance uh, and then and get him in the clinch when they get when it, when Perry gets close, he'll be able to grab a hold of him, get him into the clinch and. Um, tear him up with some knees and elbows and um, hoping for a Tim Means finish. But, yeah, I'm taking taking Tim Means on this one. All right. The first one we disagree on. Next up, we've got um, a quick turnaround for Caitlin Chukagian coming off the loss to Jessica Andrade uh, with that body shot uh, KO, I guess you would say. Uh, she is going to turn it around quickly to take on Cynthia Calvillo, who was supposed to fight Lauren Murphy a couple weeks back. And I guess she had COVID maybe. Um, so now we get this fight. And it's a good fight um, it, it, with Calvillo uh, being a little too wide a favorite, in my opinion. Minus 265, I feel like, is maybe a little too wide. So even though I'm not like a real big Chukagian fan, i got to take a stab at her at plus 225 here. And if that margin gets any bigger, I definitely will. Um, I'm curious here if the winner will uh, will leapfrog Jessica Andrade. Um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting just to touch, to touch on that. I think... If Calvillo wins, then you've got Calvillo, Andrade, and um, Lauren Murphy all vying for a spot. So I, yeah. I think you put Calvillo um, next in line for a title and put Lauren Murphy and, and Jessica Andrade together. But um, I, you can't look past, you know, Chukagan in this fight. I think that Chukagan's does some of her best work on the ground, and that's where, where uh, Calvillo is going to be trying to take her. Um, Chukagan prefers to be on top. Uh, and, and Calvia will will definitely be maintaining that position. I feel like through most of the fight, but um, Chikagian can do some work off of her back um, if she can keep Calvia from from just elbowing her to death um, long enough to to try to get some some submissions off. She may be able to, be able to catch something. So um, if I'm playing that fight, I would I would, would probably throw a little bit on Chikagian. Uh, there with you, and, and like you say, definitely if they get any any wider than that, I just I think that Calvillo is the favorite in this fight for sure. But I just don't think maybe you know maybe minus one fifty, but minus you know getting minus two fifty two sixty that's that's pretty wide. And then kicking off the pay per view, we've got uh, the rematch no one really wanted. Uh, Mauricio Shogun Hua taking on Paul Craig. These guys fought to a draw last time out. And uh, to me, this is kind of a coin toss fight. I, I lean Paul Craig, but I don't like the odds on Paul Craig minus 170, uh, who would come back at plus 150. I, I do think Paul Craig probably wins, but uh, I don't really like laying that kind of chalk with Paul Craig versus anybody. This is the second leg of my underdog parlay. I'm taking Shogun here. Shogun's okay. like five and one in his last six fights since he lost to, to Ovens in 2014. Um, 2015 to now, he's lost one fight to Anthony Smith. Um, you know, I think that Paul Craig puts himself in dangerous situations because he relies on his jiu-jitsu a lot. Um, and Shogun's a dangerous person to do that with. Um, you know, he's he has that that old pride style of fighting where it's. I mean, he's he's not p- trying to get points. You know, what I'm saying he's, Shogun's trying to take your head off constantly and. Um, if Paul Craig's not able to to lock him up and, and get some control of him, if they get to the ground, then Shogun's going to be dropping big elbows the whole time. Um, and on the feet, you know, I think Shogun can, can finish Paul Craig on the feet for sure. 
um, if Paul Craig can't get Shogun to the ground. But you got to keep in mind Shogun's pedigree too. You know, Paul Craig's not going to just walk in there and and submit Shogun like it ain't nothing. You know, Shogun's a black belt for you know been been a black belt for a decade. Um, So it's an interesting fight, but I've got Shogun on this one. Prelims. Now, this prelim headliner is really good. Um, to me, one of the, my favorite fights on the card. Brandon Marino, we talked about him earlier. It's a flyweight fight. Ranked number two in the world, taking on the raw dog, Brandon Royval, who's been making me money uh, pretty much every time he fights in the UFC. He's been an underdog, and I've been on him, and he's been cashing. And this is a big step up here versus Marino. It's tough action, but I'm riding the raw dog again, plus 160 here. Um, you know, to me, I feel like if, if Royval wins, that puts him 3-0 with a bullet coming up the ranks. He's a, got a great fan-friendly style. He's huge for the weight class. He goes for the finish. And this is the guy that I think that the UFC may, it, with another win here, the UFC, I think, will want to start to push him towards that title. Yeah, so this is the third leg of that parlay. I've got Royval as the dog on this one, too. Hey, we both like the dog. Yeah, Moreno you know, in my opinion, Moreno should be getting this title fight on Saturday night, but he's not. And instead, he's getting probably the worst fight that you could get in the division outside of Davis and Figueredo. Um, Brandon Royval is just, he's on a streak. He's, he, you can't stop him. I mean, he's a, he's a madman, you know. There's nothing that you can do. He's never out of the fight, um, and he can find a way to finish you no matter how it looks like the fight's going. Um, and, so, you know, he's, he's a live dog and, uh, I like him to take this one, and if, if he beats, you know, I, I think um, I'm not looking at the rankings right now, but I think uh, uh, Joey B is is still like number one or number two, but Joey he's done. So they take him out of the rankings, and uh, you know, Moreno's either number two or number num- he's either number one or number two without Joe B in the rankings. He's number two or number three now. So uh, Roy Vall beating him, Roy Vall's already at six or seven. He beats Moreno. I think that that launches him into the next title fight. Um, you know, especially I guess that that all depends on what happens with Cody Garbrandt. But uh, if he can go out there and get a finish, then really probably doesn't matter what Cody does. I think Roy Vall had the next shot. All right, and then before that, we've got. Uh Joaquin Buckley, fresh off of a uh, just a you know a forever remembered <laughs> crazy knockout over Impa Kasunganai, uh, he is uh, a big favorite here over the, the Beverly Hills Ninja Jordan Wright, who's eleven and zero. Joaquin Buckley minus two fifty, right plus two ten. Man, I'm I think there's a lot of recency bias on Buckley here. Obviously deserved, I guess, off of that knockout, but. I don't know that I want to give minus 210 or minus 250 rather. I think I'm going to take Jordan Wright, even though Jordan Wright has been criticized for fighting a low level of competition. That, If you look back, it's been like two years since he's fought that low level competition. He's fought okay guys since then. He's going to have a huge height and reach advantage, six foot two. Uh, you know, versus a, a not a, a non a not a very tall Joaquin Buckley. If you remember when Buckley fought Holland, he was giving up similar discrepancies in height and reach. So uh, I like Jordan Wright plus 210 here. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, and just for shits and giggles, I just pulled up my um, my bookie thing and added Jordan Wright to that parlay. And it takes it from, so like 100 bucks would win you 130 on, or 100, 100 bucks would win you 1300 on the first three that I mentioned. Roy Ball, 
Hua and Means, which I think is very attainable. You know, all those guys are plus 120, plus 150, plus 155. You add Jordan Wright to that, and 100 bucks get you 4,000. Oh, wow. And these are all, these are all, uh, those are all hit, those are all hittable for sure. Yeah. Uh, Antonina Shevchenko, who, uh, you know, man, it wasn't a very good performance for her whenever she gave it a shot against, uh, Caitlin Chikagan. She just got absolutely, uh, I mean, dominated there and it really time to turn me off of her maybe forever um now i don't want to take anything away from chikagan here but uh she is the favorite here shevchenko minus 160 over ariana ariani lipsky another underdog i like man i i just can't i can't bet on shevchenko after seeing her complete lack of ground skills uh against uh, Chikagian. So uh, I'm going to be on Ariane Lipsky here. Uh, just going to run on through the rest of these prelims, get your quick thoughts when we wrap this up. Uh, we've got uh, Nick. We, we fall off a little bit from here. Uh, Nicholas Dobby takes on Daniel Rodriguez at 170. Uh, in that fight, uh, Dobby um, and uh, Rodriguez, uh, or I'm sorry, Rodriguez is the favorite, minus 300. Pretty sizable favorite there. I don't know if I trust it. Uh, Alan Joban uh, takes on Jared Gooden from down in Hotlanta, the NFC product, making his UFC debut. Uh, that's an interesting one. But Joban, the, the aging and declining fighter, minus 150 against the upstart Gooden, plus 130. Kyle Dawkins versus Dustin Stolfus at 185. Uh, Dawkins, uh, had a, even though he lost to Brendan Allen, he impressed me uh, in that fight. He's minus 310 here with Stolfus plus 255 and opening up the whole mother. Freaker is a Louis Casse, who we saw in the Contender Series um, win his contract in violent fashion. He'll be taking on the debuting Sasha Palatnikov. Um, don't know much about him, um, but I do know that Kosti is minus 400. So some wide favorites here to open up the card. I don't have too much, too many leans on any of these fights. I don't really trust the favorites to be at the number that they're at. Um, I could take a, a flyer on Jared Gooden here to maybe just overwhelm Joe Ban. Yeah, um, I, I think we can probably expect a lot of violence in this undercard. I think the... The, probably the more tame fight will be the Joe Bannon Gooden fight. Um, I think you'll probably see some some bangers in the rest of them. Um, <clears throat> Joe Bannon's interesting, man. I think he's he's super talented, and you know he looks the part. He just hasn't really fought often enough and strung together the right wins. But you know he could have been a guy that the UFC really pushed and and made into a superstar. I feel like um, they just never really got behind him, and that was always kind of weird to me. Um, but I think that, uh, the one thing I'll, I have to go against you with is the Shevchenko. I think this is, this is the first, we've, been, we've seen a, a few, uh, male sibling, um, athletes fight on the same card, but this is the first female, um, two female siblings fighting on the same card. And I, I don't think she's going to disappoint. I think she's going to come in there and, and get a W, uh, to get the night started for her sister. All right, man. So to me, this is one of those cards where, you know, there's lots of cards where you're like, man, I just like too many favorites. I don't like and all these. I don't like to like all these favorites, but it's just what I like. And this is one of those cards where at the top, obviously, in the title fights, I like the favorites. But uh, I see a lot of underdog potential on the, the rest of this this uh, UFC 255. Yeah, for sure. Um, pick the right parlay on that. And I mean, you're definitely going to have several underdog wins on this card, I think. And pick the right ones on a, on a parlay. You're going to hit pretty good. 
All right, we will be back next week to wrap up uh, UFC 255, see how it all shakes out. We'll also touch base with several fighters from BFC 76 that comes up here in just a few short weeks, uh, December the 4th from the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. It's Thai Night at the Joe. And, uh, man, I guess that's going to do it for this week. We appreciate everybody for, uh, taking a few moments out of their day to, to tune in, and we uh, hope that you will subscribe to this fine podcast wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google, and the like. Justin, uh, it's been a pleasure, my man. We will uh, talk to you next week. All right, man. Have a good week. All right. For Justin Watson, I'm Tim Loy signing off for another edition of the Valor Hour. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Let me ask you a question and I'll go on a little diatribe so you can think about it. When you look at this list of 25 fighters, Jason, I told you you're, you're an MMA promotion. Which three of these top 25 would you most want to add to your promotion? So think about that. Chew it over while I just make one quick point. And and the point is this. When you're looking at fighters who I think will be much higher next year, I think the two are family members. I think you're looking at the Nurmagomedovs. I think you're looking at... I think you're looking at Umar Nurmagomedov in the UFC, and I think in, in Bellator, I think Usman uh, Nurmagomedov is probably going to make the biggest leap from 18 to somewhere in the top 10 within a year if he's able to get uh, some fights. So those are the two fighters I would look at. And then the other thing is Song Gedong, I, I think, is uh, get, is well-placed, and it speaks to how talented he is. So, Jason, if you were to pick up three fighters from this roster to your hypothetical MMA promotion, which three would you deem the most valuable? Number one, Aaron Pico. Number two, Macy Barber. Number three, Evan Shabazian. Yeah, I agree with you. I think you could switch out Shabazian with someone, but that would be really, really tough to do. Because Shabazian, not anyone on this list has proven this is a, a top caliber fighter, like top 10 for the next 10 years type fighter. But uh, I think he nailed it. I think Pico's absolutely number one. I think Barber's absolutely number two. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.